listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. All right, welcome to The Bounding Box. So today I have the joy of talking to Tom Wason, one of my colleagues at Esri. So Tom, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, calling a bit at Esri, what you do there, kind of what your business is. Thanks, Renee. Um, Esri, I just hit my 10 year anniversary. So oh, congrats. Today. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it went by quick. And, <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I'm I'm currently on the ArcGIS Hub team, and so I work. I'm a web developer working on the ArcGIS Hub product. Um, before I joined this team, I was working in professional services. That's where I started. That's kind of Esri's consulting wing, and uh, so just kind of going project to project grouping together with different teams here and there. And uh, yeah, I think most people, if anybody is at all familiar with me, they might have bumped into me on GitHub, where uh, like you, one of the people at Esri that was fortunate enough early on when Esri was starting to really get into open source and GitHub was able to uh, work on a few projects and some of them um, actually had people use them, so. Awesome. Yeah, I got to say, all the folks that I've worked with that come out of professional services, I mean, they're on top of it because you've really got to cut your teeth in that team working on some pretty interesting projects and work on some hard problems and stuff. Uh, not just based on like what, what you're asked to do, but like working with the, the our own APIs, right? Dog fooding stuff and everything. I mean, they really have to have like a wide knowledge of things. So I really have a lot of respect for those guys because they really know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, you get thrown into a lot of different stuff there. It's funny, like, uh, actually, my first, when I was, uh, the first time I had really been involved with Esri at all at any level whatsoever, I was in college, and I was part of that program where they send a bunch of college kids to, like, one from every state to uh, the UC. Oh, wow. Something you can, like, you know, <laughs> join, you apply to get in and whatever, and I was, I was California. And... Um, I met Jack there. They like try to get you to some point or whatever while you're there to meet Jack or whatever. And you know, he's he was just he's busy at UC. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's got to some at some point or another be introduced to like all these different, you know, college college kids. And he's like, you know what you'd be great at? It's a guy like you is someone we could just throw into something like our professional services program. You get to travel all over the world and do, you know, like you, you know, he was really selling it. Like I'd be throwing up an airplane, you know, with an arc pad and like parachuting in to, uh, to clients, you know, offices all because I was in college and didn't have a family and didn't need to be, you know, <laughs> and then oh. that's, that's kind of where many, many, many years later, I actually ended up coming into the company. But, uh, oh man, that's awesome. That seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a that was a great program. I don't know if they're still doing it, but if if you if there's a college kid listening to this, they should definitely go for that. It's a very cool program. So, Tom, I think uh, one of the things that we uh, share in common from way back when is dealing with frameworks, frameworks, and specifically uh, web frameworks with the ArcGIS API for JavaScript from even way back in the three uh, X days of Dojo and AMD and stuff like that. These, give me give me a little background, like you know your struggles, man. <laughs> yeah, so so I, you know, right out of college, I was I was using I was one of the you know 
that was when the WebGIS, you know, what that meant at that time was like publishing a bunch of PDF maps under a folder on a website. But that's like, I would, you know, one of the, my first jobs was like write a, you know, an avenue script that would spit out all these PDFs and it was like a web, it's WebGIS. Um, you know, one for each county or something. Um, and so I was always doing WebGIS, like kind of from the very, very get go. And then my career took this like left turn and I, I was just at the you know place I was at before I joined Esri. They weren't using Esri at all. They were not, I mean, they were just, there was no Esri. So I was just, it became all of a sudden I was just using web. Like I was just doing, you know, web technologies. And at the time, you know, it was like ASP.net. And then, and on the front end side, just a lot of open source stuff. jQuery was was you know starting to come up, and then just like the and the frameworks, and that's where I was just steeped in that world. For I just had this time where I was not doing any any Esri Web GIS. I was doing Bing Maps or Google Maps or other stuff, and then I got this job at Esri. So I I kind of came in with this like period of like where I, I just wasn't using. Like I, I didn't use the JC, JSAP. I came into like JSAPI two, I don't know, twenty something or something like oh, that. Yeah. I missed everything before that, right? Um, and I was like, whoa, this is really cool and really powerful, but like it is bumping heads against all the other stuff I want to put in this web page, um, and I'm having a hard time dealing with it. And I can't be the only one. And then I, you know, started reaching out and finding people in the community, like people like you, where we were, we were trying to figure out ways around these problems. And I didn't even start to try and deal with those problems until I was already working at Esri. You know, I think you 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 weren't yet. I was trying to like get you involved in solving these problems and slowly rope you in. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where, where I came from there. And then the other thing was, you know, like I said, I was in professional services at that time. And it wasn't like I was on one project using one framework. You know, every customer we were dealing with would have some different solutions. So we would, you know, you know, Angular was kind of one of the bigger ones at the time that we were encountering more often. React hadn't really come up yet, um, but you know, you just had to like what you know, whatever environment you were going into, it would be it would be some different framework, and it had to be solving the same kind of module loading problems, just with a different framework. And yeah. so that's why I really tried to start getting you know, into how do we, how do I cajole smart people like you, Dave Bowman and other people to uh, help me solve this problem in a systematic way that's going to work not just for me, not just for other professional service devs, but for like all of our customers. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I came into it. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, devs that maybe are newer devs or just from the past, even like past five years or so, I mean, I realized that there was a point that we didn't even have we didn't even have AMD. We just had these like uh, look like common JS require calls like with Dojo that was starting it, and then require JS came out, and then Dojo uh, had their AMD loader, and that was like the revolution at that point. It was like, oh, I can I can build my app and have all these bundles and modules and load them dynamically, do all this really cool stuff, and then of course common JS comes around, Node just mucks up the whole process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really just like. Oh, squashed it you know i i was there on the outside and i was intrigued by amd i had no reason to use it none of no framework i was using was using it at the time but like it seemed like a really cool idea and, and jquery was was you know playing around with it which was like oh okay this is this is it this is gonna be the thing 
and it never happened. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I mean, it was a big old uh, stink at the time. There, like ESM was just kind of like an idea. No one had really done it yet, and then I know I guess finally we're here. We're at ESM and stuff. The API is ESM, and everyone's all hunky dory happy except uh, you know Node, which is uh, not quite hundred uh, percent yet. <laughs> As of <Yeah>. this. <laughs> Yeah, I just I think about what's happened from from the core team, the RTS JSAPI core team in the last few years is just awesome and just amazing. I mean, just the, just how much you can do right now with the API in Node yeah. uh, is is amazing considering you know where it came from, where it was just a few short years ago. I know it was a long process and. And I don't think a lot of people got an insight to how much people like you and Jan, especially, and others put into into that effort into making it being able to work. Um, other than Jan had this, you know, he's got one slide. <laughs> this is how many modules yeah. we converted, like at, you know, at the Dev Summit, like every year, and there'd be a lot of people like cheering and like you know, like really excited, and and you know, like people knew what that meant, but. Um, yeah, and just as an aside, I gotta give a shout out to TypeScript and the TypeScript team and stuff because without TypeScript, I don't think we would have been able to do it at the time frame we did it. And uh, yeah, I'll probably have another podcast on that another point, but that was a, a huge deal for us. And I think maybe just everyone at Esri in general, because you know, from the API team down, we were like trying to tell people, hey, we have these typings, we're using TypeScript. You might you guys might want to try it, give it a shot, see what you think. And you know, I think some teams really embraced it. Not everyone, I mean, some not. A lot of teams, everybody likes just regular JavaScript, which is fine, but they get to benefit from our typings too, because even if you write regular JavaScript, you have all the IntelliSense and you get links to doc and all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I was a, I was a late, late adopter on the TypeScript. I was <laughs> just as someone who was maintaining a bunch of libraries that already existed that were not in TypeScript and just the, the constant request. <laughs> yeah. Just type, you know, just it just was like grinding on me to the point where I kind of made it a point like you don't need types, um, and now now I love it. So. so I think in that regard too, one of the things that you uh, worked on uh, that you put out, I think right at, right around the time I probably joined Esri, maybe a little before, I can't remember, but when I joined Esri, my first task was to have an AMD loader for the M for Ember, basically have an Ember CLI build using AMD and it was tough. I got it. I got to work in stuff and it was tough, but you had a another solution to sideload the API. Let's talk about that one. Cause that, I think that helped a lot of devs in the transition process for a long time, even today yeah, probably still. If, yeah, if that's my, uh, my contribution to humanity uh, <laughs> was that, that I, I worked on a library called Esri Loader that um, was was pretty popular, and it 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 filled this gap when we between when you know there wasn't a vision from the from the core team to how to get from AMD to ESM uh, to and then even once they started on it, like we said, it took a long time. Even with the benefit of TypeScript giving you this ability to refactor massively, uh, it just took a long time. And in that period, um, I I had you know, through, I basically stolen and pirated the work of other people and put out this thing uh, in a package that was easy to consume that helped you use the AMD build of our library in um, modern frameworks and just not know that you were using AMD. So yeah. put one import statement for 
as we load her, your uh, you know your bundler or your, your you know whatever you were using to to um, load your modules would be able to deal with that, and secretly that you know um, that import statement would backdoor lazy load a script tag that would bring the AMD build onto your site, and as long as you didn't have the global require on your page, <laughs> everything worked behind the scenes, and you didn't know it, and that was. I think really, um, I think it was, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, I definitely have gotten feedback over the years that was a helpful, valuable thing to get people through that transition. So. Yeah, because it basically works like a dynamic, it looks like a dynamic import statement almost yep. in your code. Um, but you also have to take advantage of our CDN because our CDN is highly optimized with the API. Even today, we've got like over 10 years of experience doing builds with it. So we kind of have a good idea what we're doing, I hope there so you get that advantage too and i think even today it's probably still useful in cases where you deal with like server-side rendering there are still some use cases where the api because of webgl and uh, WebAssembly and some other stuff that we do that server-side rendering doesn't work 100 percent. so as reloader it's going to get you there yep. it'll get the job done which is just fine yeah, that's kind of what it is nowadays it's just it, it's always there for you it's you know it, it's the it'll it'll work in pretty much I just hard to imagine a scenario in which it wouldn't work in uh, obviously it's not going to work in Node because it's talking about injecting a script tag but uh, that's not its purpose um, but yeah so it it it'll, it's, it's a compatibility layer that should work with anything but uh, most of the main use cases now are are solved with the the ESM build and it's funny you mentioned the CDN too because that that you know, I, I think it's something that people haven't appreciated how optimized it is, or how you know, if you if you have access to it, um, like how fast and how like you cannot build a smaller build than that. And believe yeah. me, I've tried because another thing in professional services, we we dealt with a lot of clients that were um, you know where they were in closed networks, they didn't have access to the, the you know this were um, you know three-letter agencies or that sort of thing where they're, you know, their their computers were not on a network that was going to be able to pull down JavaScript modules from JS and ArcGIS.com. So um, we had to do these builds, you know, we had to do, do a lot of local builds and I know you worked with those a lot. And I, you know, I actually try to learn a lot about Dojo builds and I tried <laughs> as hard as I could to squeeze these things in. I could never, never touch what, you know, was being put out by the, the CDN. I was always, you know, my, my initial layer was always going to be yeah. bigger than you know, the first JavaScript that gets pulled down. I could never get down to the, what is it now? It's like 200 some kilobytes for the base layer or something like that. I could never do that. It's like 300, 400. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, even these, you know, even when people are using dynamic imports with the ESM build, um, I I don't know. I you know I've spent a lot of time comparing. How does that compare to your, you know, your initial payload there? How does that compare to the CDN? I I'd imagine that's got to be that you still can't beat the the, the A and B CDN in terms of how much JavaScript you pull on the first thing. Maybe you can. Maybe if you only import. You know something from like a utils package you can yeah. see that stuff but yeah it kind of varies depending on what you're trying to do so if your initial page is a map kind of thing then you know the cdn will get you a few hundred k and you could probably get 
close to that with the ESM build and stuff, but like I said, the CDN is still optimized. Uh, the benefit with the ESM, though, is the fact that you can, you know, load things as you need them. Your Hopefully, your build tooling will create the bundles as you expect it to, mm-hmm. which is a whole other story, uh, which yeah. I know you struggle with as well. I mean, build tooling is like, it's come a long way over the years, but I still feel like we're just trying to solve hard problems with builds yeah. all the time. And it's only in recent years that other build tools have gotten to where, like, what you could do with AMD or even surpassed it now with some of the stuff like ES Build and Snowpack and those things that are taking advantage of cache things for development builds. You know, up until that stuff, we were just trying to get parity with what an AMD build could do, you know, for a decade or something, um, the better part of a decade. So, uh yeah i you know i actually don't have to deal with that stuff as much as you do i know that you know you're you're the guy charged with figuring out every single one of those uh but in recent years i've been on you know on this team and we use ember and so there is you know one (laughs) and uh, we're not even using embroider which is webpack based so we're you know using broccoli like from yeah Fun. <laughs> fun stuff with broccoli. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I almost envy those problems you have with modern build tools trying to get that to work with the, <laughs> the JS API because I'm, I'm trying to fight really old problems. So, where, where do you on that point? Where do you think you see uh, dev and web dev stuff coming up in the next uh, few years or so? Where, Anything you see happening or you think could happen? Well, something big is happening here. And, and to be honest, I'm less connected to the, you know, if, you, if you're living in Emberland right now, you're really, it feels like an island a little bit. Like you feel like you're just kind of not connected to the outside world. So I'm only finding out about, you know, modern stuff through you following you. <laughs> um, but but one thing we are getting into on this team, and I know a lot of teams are here in in Esri, is web components and using you know a framework to you know, compile or generate your components. So a lot of us, as you know, we're all using Stencil here, um, and uh, so I I think that is something that uh, has its place. I don't. Um, I'm too disconnected to know whether it's going to be disruptive to like framework dominance. Maybe you would know, but I know here it's it's something that's that is part of a, a strategic vision here at Esri. It makes sense here at Esri, but outside of us, I'm not sure how. how For a lot of it. things, I have started, regardless of the framework that I have to work on, or whatever I've started using it more as a, a way to glue together web components in some way. All right, so build build a suite of web components, spit them out, and then use whatever framework you need to do to consume them and make things work. React makes that a little tr- more difficult than it probably should be. But the yeah. other things like Vue uh, are fine. They work just great, no problems at all. I don't really do too much Angular. Uh, I should do more Angular to get more familiar with it, but I don't want to, but I could. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. But yeah, plenty of other things I've been playing with too. Like Solid JS is like my new fave right now. I'm really, really digging Solid. The I should be trying some more Svelte, but I'm not. I should. 
it's on my list to get get going. But I've really been a lot more interested in some of these more static site generators. So things like uh, Marco. Marco is really awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan of Marco. Uh, Astro JS. So I'm actually thinking of building a new site for this podcast. A bounty box site is probably going to be built on um, Astro JS. So it's a it'll build out a static page for me. And if I don't want JavaScript, I don't have to, have to load any JavaScript. It's it's great. But I can still build my site with some JavaScript. It'll just build a static page. So I'm a big fan of that. And I, that's one of the reasons I still use uh, Modern Dojo for my main site is because I could do a build of my entire blog uh, website and there's no JavaScript at all. It's just all static HTML generated pages, load them up somewhere and I'm good to go. Well, I'm a big fan of that. So the more I could do that anywhere, the, the better. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't even recognize any of those names. I just took them all down as notes. <laughs> I have to go look into those things. Astro, Solid, Marco, yeah. Polo. You know, Marco, like, yeah, we need a polo. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I played with Gatsby a little bit a while back, uh, and I, I love the static aspect of that. Um, so Gatsby's really cool. I'm kind of, I don't know, I don't hear too much about Gatsby these days. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid it may have fallen the way of kind of like Ember. Like, you know, it's solid, it works, it's great, but there's just not a whole lot new happening there, maybe. So new devs are moving or choosing other things. I don't really know, but it, Gatsby works great. So I'm surprised. Yeah, it, it, I think the thing with, with Ember might have been like too opinionated or too does too much. And I could see Gatsby kind of falling a little bit into that, especially for your average like React dev. That's and, true. They're, they're squirrely. They're hard to, hard to, you know, <laughs> they don't like to be pinned down with too much. <laughs> they need the flexibility. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we start saying things we should be talking about, <laughs> I appreciate your time, Tom. Is anything you want to, uh, any tips or tricks you want to give people before uh, we sign off? Gosh, I should have thought of something. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, check out Web Components. I, I, I don't have a particular course in mind, but one of the things that's been, been uh, I don't know, I think it's been good for me recently playing with Web Components is getting out of the um, framework uh, mindset that we've been in for so many years and just like thinking about like, I don't know, you know, just the whole notion of like, there, there's times in our development that we're doing now with, with this stuff where we have to go and like query, you know, an element on the page and set properties with it, like with JavaScript. And it's just like, wait, wait, wait. And it sounds backwards to someone who's been, like you know, doing this framework stuff for, for so long, where you just got to pass, you know, so prop drilling everything down, and in you know, like in all your actions and everything, and that, all that kind of stuff, and and then all these patterns that are, that evolved to avoid that, and you got into these like, you got into into the you know, like with hooks and all kinds of stuff where you're doing these patterns that are like really different than what if you're around as long as I've been, like you know, like. DOM-based, you know, yeah. DHTML. We're not saying we want to go back to that, but to remember that at the end of the day, you know, your JSX or whatever it is spit out, uh, you know, a bunch of elements on the page, and you know, there is a native API that can like listen to their events <laughs> and <laughs> query them and set properties on them and do things or whatever. It's just, it's kind of, it's, I don't know, it's been really refreshing for me. 
I, there's some people on my team that just fluently, I can see the way they code. They go back and forth pretty fluently between this sort of framework oriented way and and the and the you know and just being pragmatic about how to use the DOM. And uh, that I think that is just like it's kind of uh, um, it's it's just it's good. It's good to good to refresh yourself a little bit. Oh, awesome, Tom. Well, I appreciate appreciate your time, Tom. Thanks a lot, and I'll be seeing you next you. time. Yep. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Boundary Box today. Please subscribe for more content.